So, wait, what did that mean? How can I be on <laughs> what does that mean? No, I'm just trying to understand. But how do I do that every day? So, what does that even mean? Well, hi! Welcome to this week's episode of the Family Room Conversations. I'm Zach. And I'm Gary. And we are so excited that you're joining us this week. Quick announcement at the top. I got a notification that we have not been available as a podcast on the Apple Podcast platform. Well, that is fixed this week. Um, if you have searched for this podcast, this series on Apple Podcasts and not been able to find it, you certainly can now, just like we've been available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and several other places so far. All right. Um, now that that's out of the way, what a great sermon. Big question from this sermon this week. How do I love to the degree that we've been talking about? Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people have been asking me that. You know, they came up after the service and said, so uh, I appreciate all you're saying. I appreciate the messages and all this going, but uh, I either can't or, man, I don't want to. And, 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 and so I said, well, it's possible you can. And they're like, how does that work? And so that's the basis for the series of what we talked about Sunday. Yeah. Yep. So in the sermon, what you talked about or what the, the line, the through line that I seemed to draw mm -hmm. was we were talking about love. How do we love to the degree to that Jesus commands us to that Paul is talking about that we're reading here in Romans? And we broke away. We've been in Romans for a long time. It seems like we we jumped all over, which was wonderful um, to answer that question. And we came up with this, this idea that your love is founded in your faith. And to the degree that your faith grows, your love grows. And your faith, we answered toward the end, you, you talked about toward the end, grows when you abide in Christ. That's what, what Jesus commands us. I thought that was wonderful. But I wanted to ask, and you talked about this a little bit, but let's just talk about it some more. What is faith? That seems like such a nebulous word sometimes. What does it mean to have faith, or, or, or what is it? Well, in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, um, we looked at where it talks about being uh, confident, and being assured. It's where, okay, I haven't seen it, but I assured it, I feel confident it exists because I know God said it, and I have faith in what God's done. It's a, yeah. the confidence of the things hoped for and the assurance of things not yet seen, right? Exactly, exactly. And so it is, it's, it's okay, I haven't seen it. I'm not like reflecting on an experience with it, but I trust that it exists. I'm confident and assured mainly because of the source of, so, so I'm believing in something God has said, so I have trust and belief in that. Be like if you said, hey, I'm coming over this afternoon and bringing Coke and pizza. Well, my belief in that would be my faith in you. Mm -hmm. And so it is transferable to other relationships as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like the degree to which you believe something. Is right, that what you're saying? right. Yeah. And not, so if I started, if I doubted you bringing or was like, yeah, I bet he won't probably bring that, then that would be a lack of faith. And a lot of us battle that with God as well. Right, and so our faith in Jesus grows as we abide in his word. Right, right, right. As we abide in him, and part of that is allowing his words right. to abide in us. Yeah, and the analogy that we used and um, just literally playing off what Jesus said, I mean, you know, is so that nutrients flow from the ground through the trunk of a tree into the limb and produce fruit. Hmm. And it's, it's just an organic process. When, we, when that limb is tapped into the tree, Fruit happens. If it's not tapped into the tree, fruit doesn't happen. Mm. Likewise, if we're tapped into into Christ, uh, it changes us. I mean, it impacts our lives at all levels. And one of those is it manifests within us an ever-increasing love for God and for people. Certainly. Yeah. That's big. So, so one of the things that I, I noticed you, you touched on, and this was really smart because it probably would have been my, my first couple of questions. Um, what are the things that detract 
from our faith. Uh, and you brought up two things, trials and temptations. Right. And uh, in the trials, you mentioned something that hits me, just hit home really well for me, um, that trials are not God's response to us being bad that day. That's true. <laughs> right? That's true. And, and that's something you had, you, you had, had talks about after the right. sermon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we... Sometimes people ask about trials, and their, and their response is, so what did I do to uh, deserve what I'm going through? Um, and, and we have this naive view of life that it's, if I do this, this happens. If I do this, this happens. And life isn't that nice. And I mean, I always like in life, life is like if you take spaghetti and sauce and mix it all together, and then you try to pull the spaghetti off the sauce. You can't do it because life is... It's that messy. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. And so so trials don't always work that way. And so I try to encourage people that uh, there are times we do something and there's a consequence God allows to happen. There are other times we do something and something different happens our way. And so instead of trying to figure out why it happened or what's the, uh, you know, the or- origination point, deal with it yeah. with faith. You know, that other part can become to me like wasted time. Yeah, it almost seems to recall back conversations we had last week, mm-hmm. the week before, about legalism, right? That's right. The, the legalistic side of me that says, I did A, so whatever's happening now right. must be a response right. to that. Right. Right. Um, which, Paul said, is a weak mindset, right? right? It's, it's the strong who trust in the faith and grace of Jesus, um, or trust in the grace of Jesus right. that he offers um, with faith, by faith, right? Um, yeah, and trials too. I mean, like we, like I tried to say in the message. I mean, we we have been battling uh, COVID for the last 14, 15 months, uh, and 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 people say, well, God caused it to happen because this, that, and whatever. But if you actually look at the history of diseases for the last hundred years, they happen. And part of living in a fallen world, and so um, I, I don't think God's punishing Poland or Brazil or India for what's going on. Those things happen, but at the same time. If, if I do make a decision and go out and rebel against God, th- there might be some consequences that come my way at the same time. So we just have to live in reali- re- the reality that I can't understand the reason for every trial. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I can understand that trial can shrink my faith that can cause my love to decrease. So I need to address the trial in my response to it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I guess... That what, what you're hitting at is like the focus. What are, sure. are you going to focus right. on the trial and allow that to detract your faith? Or are you going to focus on your faith right. and, and maintain abiding in Christ and, and not right. removing that worry? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, without getting too simplistic, uh, a, a victim always goes back to why and why it happened. Mm. I think a disciple says, okay, it doesn't really matter. What does matter is my response to it. Because as we saw, you know, God can leverage the trial to grow our faith, to grow our love. James talks about consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, knowing it can make you mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And that would mean that our faith grows, our love increases. Mm. I can't solve why pandemics happen, but at the same time, I know God can leverage a pandemic to grow my faith, to increase my love. Yeah. So the other thing you talked about was temptation, right? Sure, sure. So I guess what I, what I wonder is how are, how are, and you know, maybe you talked about this, but I just, I would want you to talk about this again. How are temptations really affecting my faith, right? Temptations seem like something that's outside of my control and I respond to it or I don't. How is that affecting my faith as directly as trials are? Well, I, I would say for most of us, when we battle a temptation, um, a temptation becomes something that initially I rebuff, I, I, I push against, 
but most of the time, ultimately, it kind of oozes and eases its way into my life. Mm. And, and the first component of temptation is after I re- reject it long enough, I start maybe playing around with it a little bit in my mind. And once that happens, it's just kind of like, you know, if you got a beautiful plot of ground and the dirt's ready and you're going to plant something and some seedlings from another grass or whatever plant there, you don't see it, mm. but it's taking root in your soil. And so as I start entertaining temptations in my mind, just a little bit, or my heart, just a little bit, maybe a, not a dream, but a fantasy place I go, all of a sudden it's taking root. And when that starts happening, then there's a battle between, okay, do I turn to God in faith or do I turn to my fantasy to cope with my situation? Yeah. You know, like I'm married, right? Been married for 30 years. Do I have an imaginary girlfriend I go to for fantasy when my marriage isn't going great? Or do I turn to, to God to help me to love my wife better? Mm. And and that's where the temptation yeah. shrinks. That makes me think. I had a friend several months ago that I talked about, and it makes me think of patterns of addiction. That's sure. what that sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and this friend was going through different addictive things, and he was talking with his therapist out, about it. And one of the things that his that he took home from therapy, they they had talked about the psychology of, of addiction mm-hmm. and uh, how the example that they gave is, is if you had an al- if, if an alcoholic was offered a glass of whiskey, mm-hmm. but the person said, if you drink this, I'm going to shoot you. They point a gun at your head and said, I'm going to shoot you if you drink this. Right. A normal person's thought pattern is very simple, right? Whiskey equals gun equals dead equals bad. And that's it. You know, I, that's, that's an easy thing. But an alcoholic, they may get to that same conclusion, but they have to go a completely different route to get there mm-hmm. because they're going to ask, is there any scenario I know it was listed out plainly, but is there any scenario where I can get the whiskey and not the bad consequences? Right. And that that felt so poignant to me because I haven't dealt with a ton of addiction in my life. But good gosh, if I had that kind of that kind of temptation moment where I have to ask, is there any way I can do that and still still be in good graces with God? You know, right. how do I get around that? And that that feels very degrading to my faith. And that, that's what that made me think of when well, you were talking and, about that. And addiction, Zach, is totally built around me creating false gods. Mm. And the false god says this, when my life, I'll, again, I'll pick on my marriage, my marriage isn't going well, okay, which is normal because my wife's imperfect, right? So when that happens, oh, where do I turn? Do I turn to Christ in faith or do I turn to porn or do I turn to just a fantasy in my mind of another person or whatever the list could be. Right. And that's where that addiction is. And addiction basically says I've elevated something in my life to be equal with God. And it's now become my go-to when God should be my go-to in whatever challenge I'm facing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's big. Okay. So I had two more questions from the sermon and there are a lot, there are a lot more, I guess maybe cut and dry. We'll see. Um, but one of the things you talked about was the enemy. You talked about Satan and, and how, you know, he may be the one presenting some of those trials, but it made me wonder, uh, it's it's a fun question that I really like to ask and and hear people talk about. Is Satan the reason I had a flat tire on the way to church? (laughs) That's good. (laughs) No, um, I think sometimes, and you know, C.S. Lewis said it best. Sometimes we give him no credit, and sometimes we give him too much credit. And the answer, often, most often, is in the middle. Um, and so, my, I just wanted people to understand: temptation is a reality, not only because we're weak, but we also have an enemy waging war against us. There are times when I know I desire something or think something, and I'm, I'm sure everyone does the same. And I'm thinking, where did that come from? Where in the world? That is just like. 
a bizarre, how, how evil of me or how bizarre, that's just beyond my scope. Um, and the Bible assures me that, hey, there's a guy out there floating lies my direction all the time. That's his native language. That's all he knows how to say. And the agenda of his lies is destruction in my life. Mm-hmm. And so that as I'm going through trials, I get that part, part of living in a fallen world. Temptation, again, part of living in a fallen world. But in addition to that, when things get really bizarre, you're thinking there's got to be something else. And that's where the Bible says, yeah, you got an enemy who he, his, his eternal sentence is already there. So between now and then, he'd like to just wage war against you until it's done. And can. I yeah. Mean, oh, very much. Very that's much. The, the thing I, yeah. I don't give enough credit toward is, is he is out there and the demons are out there and sure. they are doing things like that. But I think, I don't know, to me, I, I've had times where I've blamed Satan on things that I probably should have blamed myself for. Right. 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 I, I am to blame for some of these bad things that I've done. Um, but, it's not that he's not real. It's not that he's not out there or that there's not demons out there that are dealing with it. I don't know. I just like like to hear people talk well, about that question. And again, I mean, you know, if we were to take a bowling ball and drop it from the top of a building, it would go straight down because gravity. Right. And an invisible force affects a visible object. Mm. And likewise, we, we have to understand in the spiritual realm, there's an invisible world going on that affects the world we see. Right. And we have to always remember that because um, I remember a guy telling me years ago, um, he was watching a documentary on Hitler, and he saw the hatred Hitler had for the Jews and his desire to exterminate them. And later that day, something had happened, and he, in his mind he thought, if I could just kill that guy because he's just ruining my freedom and something. And he said, all of a sudden, God said, hey, remember the thing you just saw on Hitler is the very similar spirit you're having right now. Mm. And it's just like, oh, goodness, where did it come from? And he just realized you know, the temptation there for all of us to do life on our terms and respond in pride. Obviously, Satan's a part of that, but it's a common temptation, as we saw in 1 Corinthians, common to everybody. You know, whether it's road rage or some mass killer, I mean, at the end of the day, you're basically looking at a human being saying, you're not worth living. I'd like to get rid of you. And and it's pretty much a very similar battle. Yeah. 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 Okay, so the other thing that I... I just kind of came up in my mind as we were listening to the sermon this week. Um, in 1 Corinthians 3, 3, we, you brought up toward the end of the end of the message, um, Paul was talking to the church at Corinth and kind of chastising them for um, following different, uh, as Apollos, right? Apollos, Apollos and, and him. There were people huh? following different alliances. Right. Um, and it just got me thinking, are we still experiencing that? Is he talking about, you know, if he was talking to the church at Rinkin, mm-hmm. would he be talking, use the word denominations? Is that the same thing? Are we following different, you know, preachers and, and to different directions and calling it the Baptist church, the Lutheran yeah. church? Uh, denominations are typically built around like uh, there's typically a theological twist to a denomination, whether it's holding up hands, different ways of doing communion, uh, worship music actually being played in a service or not. Um, what Paul's referring to there is in ancient times, there were these kind of rock star speakers. And uh, in our modern day, I mean, you know, we have them everywhere. Um, and, and, and it's not the guy, you know, the, the people aren't seeking it. But, but our culture, we like to elevate people because we feel comfortable if I can look up to a guy and uh, maybe if I could be like him. And, and, you know, Jesus is like, wait a minute, you, you want to be like me because it's not about the people. So in ancient, in, in, in the letter in Corinthians, basically in the church, they were building alliances about 
pastors who were there or who had been there. And uh, man, we're this guy or we're this guy. And Paul basically said it reveals how childish you are because the more mature you are in Christ, you realize that pastors and preachers and leaders are just instruments of God. At the end of the day, our, our, alle- our allegiance and our affinity is for God himself. Yeah. 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 Oh, and they were getting competitive too, right? That was the other side. Well, they were having quarrels and fights about it. Right. When God's like, who cares? They're all just instruments of mine. Right. At the end of the day, the church, like I, I, a guy many years ago gave me credit for something I did not do. I looked at him and I said, listen, the one you need to give credit to is the one who has the nail-scarred hands and mine don't have nail scars. Mm. He said, what do you mean? I said, look, we've had a great experience here at such and such church and it's been amazing, but I'm a servant. I'm just th- someone through whom God ministers to people. You give glory to God, you can give a high five to me. Mm-hmm. And and just understand, you know, I didn't die on the cross and make all this possible. And uh, in the church in Corinth, and some churches too, you, you lose sight of that. You, you elevate the person and almost kind of dethrone God. God's like, no, elevate me and just realize that people are servants of mine. That's yeah. big, yeah. Well, I like to ask you this question every week um, because I know that you, you know, we record your sermon earlier than Sunday and then you give it three times on Sunday. By the time you got to the end, was there anything that you thought I wanted to add to this? Or I've just thought about this because I've been dwelling on this word for a long time. What came up throughout the week or did anything come up? Well, uh, I wish I could have spent more time on John 15, uh, 5, where he talks about abiding in Christ and just really go a lot deeper than we did there. Um, and help people see in a real tact, uh, practical, tangible way of, of what it's like to be really engaged with Christ. It's more than a quiet time. It's more than a devotional. Mm-hmm. It's more than just reading a verse. It, it, it's a relationship and, and learning how to understand both through the agricultural example Jesus gave of abiding you know, limbs and stuff like that, and at the same time, to go ancient and understand what a disciple really looked like. And if you could weave those together, I think you have a clearer understanding of what it means to abide and spend time with Christ, both following him, learning from him, resting in him, and at the same time being obedient to him. You know, that I love him, and therefore, as he says, if you love me, you obey me. You, you, can't, you can't separate the two and understanding that part. Yeah, that's something I so. could definitely... Yeah. used to focus on more. In fact, next week, I mean, uh, we're going to actually, uh, in the messages, we're going to look at something similar to that. We're going to take the 1 Corinthians 13 like framework and describe love because we talk about loving people and something we've not mentioned at all in the, serv- in the messages is defining that and describing that because a lot of times we, we, we think we're loving someone and we're really not because we're not doing it the way God, our, uh, as an architect, designed it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Well, I'm excited for that. Yeah, me too. Well, would you like to pray us out? Yeah. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your compassion for all of us. And Lord, for your desire that our faith would grow so that our love would increase. And we're thankful that that all originates in you. And Lord, there's no excuse. It doesn't matter who we are, how well we know your word. None of that matters, Father, because your desire is that you would create in all of us an incredible loving heart. And God, that comes, Lord, as we learn to grow in faith in you and encounter you all the time. We bless you in your son's name. Amen. Amen. 
We want to remind you, like we do every week, that we love to use this time to start conversations with you, with our with our congregation here at Rinkin. And so if you've got conversation starters, send them our way. You know all the ways that you can do that. They're in the comments section below our content or in any of the contact information that we've left below. Well, I hope you have a wonderful week. I'm excited to see where we go this week and excited well. to see you again on Sunday. Yeah, take care. See you soon. <laughs>